This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features waiting for you there. Uh, Once again, freetalklive.com with you in studio tonight. It's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. All right. So you can, of course, take control via the phones and also online at freetalklive.com where you can actually create the content that you see on our website, everything on the front page there with the numbered items as you go down the page, those numbers are votes, and those votes were cast by listeners just like you. In fact, the items were put there by listeners like you. So if you find something online that you would like to share with the rest of Free Talk Live listenership, you can just submit it as show prep over at freetalklive.com, and then uh, it'll appear on the upcoming stories page. At that point, it must receive a certain number of votes in order to get off of the upcoming stories page and be promoted, as it's called, to the front page of the site, meaning more people will see it. We will be more likely to talk about it on the air. So head over to freetalklive.com. The New Orleans assistant attorney has been cited for a marijuana violation. Also coming up, uh, we'll talk to you about some police have hit somebody with a car and then charged the mother of the person who was hit. We'll explain what that's all about. Uh, But first, this New Orleans story really kind of is a peek into uh, the reality behind what, you know, government bureaucrats do versus what they say. Of course, uh, government prosecutors are very busy, usually every single week of their life, uh, going after marijuana smokers and other drug users and prosecuting them and putting them in a prison cell. Well, it looks like one of them has been outed, and it certainly wasn't his choice to be outed. Business was brisk, as NOLA.com's John Zimmerman writes in Orleans Parish Magistrate Court. By the way, I think it's hilarious that the court calls what it does business, and that <laughs> other people call it business, because I think it's an insult to business, what they do. In yeah, that, they don't really do anything like business, do they? No, well, in that business is where, at least as I've always understood it, Business is where you uh, interact with other human beings and you you know, either provide a product or service or are purchasing a product or service from someone else. And it's always done on an individual kind of consensual basis. You are consenting to do business with that person. If you aren't consenting to do business, it's something else. It's you know, perhaps robbery. Uh, perhaps burglary, you know, something like that. Some sort of crime is being committed against you. If somebody is forcing their product or service upon you uh, or forcing something from you, forcing money from you without providing anything uh, in return, that's not business. Well, I was just thinking about police officers arresting marijuana victims when you were talking about it mm-hmm. because it's gone on for so long. And, and I wonder what the goal is because... I I thought to myself, you know, if this was a business, there would be some sort of goal, right? And if the goal wasn't achieved, then maybe it's time to reevaluate your goals and see. But but it's like they just keep making these arrests and they do it over and over again. And they're not making any sort of dent in drug use or anything. And and so they're not getting anywhere. So do they ever ask themselves like, hmm, what are we trying to do here? I don't think so. I mean, maybe some of them do individually, and they come to those conclusions on their own, but they certainly wouldn't hold a meeting about it. I, mean, I, I, can't, imagine? Imagine. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what they think they're doing. Can you imagine the police actually calling a meeting in their department? You know, maybe we should rethink this drug war. 
mean, why would they? Because they're getting checks, right? They're getting money from the federal government, the state government that uh, essentially encourages this behavior. Well, maybe what the fear is, is that without uh, all of the the efforts that they've made, and remember, the efforts have stepped up throughout the years, without all the efforts that they've made, that the drug war would be uh, bigger, much bigger, so much, uh, you know, that the, the drug use would be so much bigger in this country um, if it wasn't for the cops out there busting drug dealers and drug users and all that kind of stuff. Because there are far more sort of low-level drug dealers busted, drug users and dealers busted than people really realize. Uh, most of the busts out there aren't dealers. Yeah. They're just people that have possession. Yeah, well, absolutely. it's easier to catch because you can pull somebody over and maybe catch a whiff of marijuana or sure. just do an illegal search. I mean, it's easy to find. Any traffic cop can do it. Right. Whereas, you know, like a, a marijuana user is going to be less concerned about smoking a joint in a car than, say, right. someone with 20 pounds of pot in the trunk. Uh, so, yeah, it's probably a lot easier to catch the users. I would agree. Uh, your thoughts are certainly welcome at 855-450-FREE. But that's, that's just the start of the story, just kind of the comment on courts and business. Uh, so this is New Orleans, and uh, it's Orleans Parish where magistrate, uh, it's magistrate court Monday afternoon. Uh, criminal defendants filled up the back rows while cops sat waiting to testify. And, of course, when they use the term criminal defendants, what they mean is criminal as far as, like, the designation of the code of government in that there are a lot of things that are criminal by government's uh, statutes that don't actually have a victim. Of course, when people hear the word criminal, they think, you know, the hardened guy with a scar across his face and a shiv in his back pocket and, you know, just looking to stick anybody that he comes across and, you know, somebody you should be afraid of. But most of the people that were in these rows were likely not that person. Most of the people that were sitting in those rows were likely not too different from the prosecutor himself in that they're probably there for smoking cannabis or some sort of a uh, drinking in public incident or something like that. Well, that's when a joint fell out of attorney Jason Cantrell's pocket and onto the floor in front of New Orleans police officers. Oops. Cantrell, age 43, is an assistant city attorney and son of Magistrate Commissioner Harry Cantrell. That's uh, Magistrate Commissioner, I think, might be some sort of code for uh, like a high-level judge. Uh, so it sounds like. Again, it's Magistrate Court. So I'd imagine that one of the commissioners is a you know a group of judges that have kind of risen through the ranks. Again, Louisiana, different states have different setups. Louisiana especially has the different setup. Yep. He's not too bright because if I was going to bring a joint to work, I would leave it in my car. You know, like I would leave my drugs in my car. I wouldn't bring them in my pocket into the building. Well, maybe he is so confident that he's not going to get shaken down. They don't get searched. Why would he get searched? You know, they he's, they walk right through. Right, but he's in I mean, court you could accidentally pull it out of your pocket. A right. joint in his pocket. I, I mean, this it shows the, an the incredible lever of hubris. Yes. His dad is a high-level attorney, and his wife, when you read a little further into the uh, the article, is running for office. Mm-hmm. This is one of the haves as far as the government goes, because I believe that it's not about who has money in this world. It's about who has power. And when it comes to the having power, this is one of the haves, not absolutely. one of the have-nots. And I think that you're absolutely right when you point out that this shows the hubris. This is this is an indicator, okay? It wasn't the first time. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. It wasn't the first time that Jason Cantrell had a joint in his pocket at work. <laughs> what do you think? 
I would say 100% you must be right. Yeah. In fact, uh, I don't know how many years he's been the assistant uh, city attorney. He's 43. You know, assistant city attorney hasn't quite made it to the the top level. There's probably a guy in his 60s that's the actual uh, city attorney. So, you know, maybe he's been on the job for five or ten years or something like that, trying to work his way up through the ranks. You know, if he's a pot smoker, and he probably has been since he was a teenager— He's probably been doing this on a regular basis, probably takes a break, maybe goes up on the roof or, as you say, out to your car or something like that and and uh, and enjoys himself. Smokes himself smoke. a J. Right in the middle of the day. You don't take a joint to work because you want to wait until after work yeah. to smoke it. Right. I mean, and he's bust. He's he's. Signing deals all day long with pot yeah. smokers, um, right. you know, to people who had possession of marijuana to put them in jail or make them pay money. And, you know, what it takes, the kind of black soul that it takes to have a joint in your pocket and sign a deal with somebody to send them to jail or make them pay or do community service hours or whatever it is for a possession of marijuana. It just takes an incredible. It, I, I'm sorry. Evil. Evil. I don't care what they do to this guy. I don't care what his punishment is. It's not going to be anything. You know that. And I know that. He got taken to jail, man. No, he didn't. The cops the They cops wrote him a citation. I thought they took him to jail. No. Okay. This is the assistant city attorney. Well, it's, it's, He's getting they PR They arrested bail. him. Right. But that doesn't... I was arrested in Virginia once, and all it meant was that we had a citation to appear. Right. So that means different things. Yeah, they they probably arrested him. Put it, you know, maybe they put him in handcuffs for a moment in the Walked courtroom, him out back. and then wrote him the citation, and then cut him loose. According to the story, sources. So, well, is he going to have to go to trial for this, like you or I would? He he might take a plea. Eight five five four fifty free. The SACL CAI toll free line. I'll tell you a little bit more about the case here in a moment, and of course we'll take your calls. Whatever's on your mind. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. I can tell you this, too. He's not the only attorney, and I mean defense, prosecution, all over the place. He's not the only one who smokes pot, either. 855-450-FREE. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want. 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Join us online at freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program, there are a lot of different ways to support the show. One of them is to shop with us. You can go to shop.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through the links you'll find there, Free Talk Live will get a portion of your purchase price. And those are there are three different Amazons, by the way, for which uh, from which you can choose. We have Amazon US, UK, and Canada. So just click the right one for you over at shop.freetalklive.com. You get the stuff you're looking for, and you'll help Free Talk Live all at the same time. I'm going to go to your phone calls here, and, and uh, then we'll return to the story about Louisiana and the assistant city attorney who got busted for having a joint in his pocket when it fell out in court. Uh, first, though, Robert is on the line listening in Vermont. Robert, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Hi, uh, Ian. Hi, Mark. Hi, Julia. Hey, Robert, what's on your mind tonight? 
Yeah, I just wanted to say that if, if, if we really, really wanted to, we the people could, you know, actually challenge these marijuana laws. It's, it's, it's a shame. I mean, you, for the last two months, so you see either on the Vermont side or the New Hampshire side, how all those marijuana plants and stuff like that that they've destroyed just billions of dollars worth. How would uh, we the people challenge those laws? Well, because we're the ones that created the law. Not me. Well, well, I wasn't alive when those laws were created, so I had maybe, nothing. Maybe to do with it. Oh, hypothetically, maybe you yourself didn't create it, but you, I think you know what I'm talking about. But anyway. I think what you're suggesting is that some people are calling themselves the state and federal governments uh, created those laws, but uh, I had right. nothing to do with that, and I don't uh, don't consent to it. And as far as I can tell, there's really nothing I can do about it beyond advocate for them to be changed and or you know disobey them publicly in the hopes that well, that will somehow spur I'm that conversation. That, I'm thinking that you know, uh, you know, if somebody got up in there, you know, and uh, that was well, that was of authority, you know, with a swipe of a pen could change the laws. But well, you'd but, have to have uh, you know several hundred people to. voting <laughs> for them. Uh, I mean, here in New Hampshire, there was the medical marijuana provisions. The last couple of years, uh, they tried that and they got shot down by the governor of the state. So not only it's it's not just one person, right? Like there's this legislative process that has to be gone through, and it's a brutal, brutally slow and plotting and really trying process where everything gets watered down. So if, even if you start with something that's watered down, as far as the proposal is concerned, it becomes even worse uh, by the time it's it, if it makes it out of the committees, it right. uh, is even worse than it's ever been. Then if you're lucky, it'll actually pass the state house after going through I don't know however many committees it needs it to go one, through. It, it, all it takes is the people. That's all it takes. But anyways, but my other reason for calling is I wanted to ask Mark a question. All right, sure. I, I saw a video online of him today. Uh, I talked about, uh, you know, uh, you know his gun rights and stuff like that. It was like a six or seven minute video. Probably th- a younger him. I don't, I don't, I don't recall when it was made, but. I think it was a Ridley uh, report. If I, uh... about, you know, him wanting to, re- you know, to restore his gun rights. And I, and I wondered uh, if, if anything has changed or, or, or if anything, you know, any new updates on that at all. Because I, I uh, commend you on that. I, 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 you know, I think you should get your your gun rights back. If you were, you know, whether you're found guilty or not, it doesn't have anything, you know. You shouldn't have. You should have lost him in the first place. Well, you're referring to Mark uh, going to prison for nine years, which exactly. is exactly right. Uh, the you know the Constitution, New Hampshire, says that any man should be able to carry a weapon or something like that. I don't have it right here in front of me. And the right to and and then the United States Constitution says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. One would think that if I'm safe enough to release release upon the world, that I would be safe enough at least at least after some period of time to be able to protect uh, myself and my family. But um, you know, apparently that's not the case. No, I went in front of the governor of the state of Florida back in I think it might have been two thousand and eight um, in order to get uh, you know some kind of restoration. You know, I, I asked for a pardon, a pardon when I'm free, mind you. Um, so I mean, it costs them nothing to do such a thing. Just say yes, you're pardoned, and basically that would allow me to vote in the state of Florida, go to the country of Canada, and uh, own a gun. Robert, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You know, the one point I disagree with Robert on is this idea that, uh, oh, it just takes the people. Well, the people, if you look at the numbers, have overwhelmingly, uh, at least in recent years, been in favor of medical marijuana. But yet, 
the politicians trail behind by years. I mean, they're so far, they're, you know, 30 years behind what the people actually are interested in seeing happen. Well, I think that it's it's sort of a euphemism or it's not. I don't think that people, when they say that, they really understand what they're saying. It's a popular statement for when people talk about being free. They kind of associate it with the we the people. It's from the Declaration of Independence, isn't it? The- mm-hmm. I think it's the Constitution. Okay. We See, I'm terrible at those documents. Yep. I don't care about don't them Don't worry. At all. They don't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know them well, but I, you know, we the people, it feels good. I, the idea is, hey, you know, we're supposed to be in charge here. But the problem is, we the people, what does that really mean? Because my mom wants something entirely different for me than I want for me. And mm-hmm. like, who ends up getting the say? I mean, you simply cannot have one person representing a group of people. Well, that's why we have democracy, Julia. The majority rules. Right. And that's what the claim is, is if we could only get enough of the people to want something. And this is a true statement. Enough of the people will get the government to want to do something. That's true. But But it it doesn't make it right. But Well, the government pays off people mm. you know it it um, you know it has it, an army of built-in supporters it manages to separate people simply with their payoffs i mean think about it for a second um you know older americans by dint of the fact that they are forced into the social security program have a certain amount of maybe autonomy from the family uh, that they wouldn't otherwise have maybe you'd have to treat your kids better if you wanted to have a retirement rather than being, you know, wanted to have this guaranteed retirement rather than having the, the federal government, uh, you know, force it on everybody else. Because I frankly don't believe Social Security is going to be there when I get to be 65 years old. Yeah. So all the dollars that I that have been taken from me up to this point, as far as I'm concerned, goodbye. they're gone and they've just gone to other people. It's not like there's a big account out there where they're saving nope. everybody's Social Security money and paying it back to them. Government doesn't know how to save money. Yeah, and if Social Security is such a great program, why don't they let people pay in more and get and receive more? Mm. And why don't they let you opt out? If the program is that great, then they should be able to sell it pretty easily. Sure, but it's not. It's junk. I mean, they have no problem selling anybody at my work the 401k. We're all on that, right? Because sure. you get free money. Sure, 401k, free money. But uh, the federal government knows what they're doing. Actually, the selling point of Social Security is that you have to participate. That is the selling point. We force businesses to participate in Social Security. Now, you know, regular individuals who work for themselves really don't have to do that. And we've seen paperwork that that, uh, Social Security Administration said that. And I haven't paid Social Security in six years. And I've never heard of anybody going to jail. It's been about a decade for me now. Uh, so regarding so yeah, I mean t- to some extent Robert's right in that it does take the people, but the people have to be willing to do something, and that's another thing that the this current structure, this current system that we have has been very good at has been giving the people kind of the bread and circuses for them to distract themselves with because we have a really nice setup here. I mean, there's really comfortable homes in which to live. Uh, great uh, entertainment, television programming, movies, video games, things like that. Life's good. All kinds of things to distract you with. I mean, you know, if life is comfy, then you're not so likely to be so concerned with all those, oh, I don't know, 800,000 marijuana smokers that are being arrested and having their lives destroyed. As long as they're not arresting you or raiding your home and pointing guns at you like they did with a, another grandma. Mark, I think yep. you've got a story about that tonight. 855-450-FREE. You take control. Free Talk Live. 
Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL has also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at Mark at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want. 855-450-FREE. SACL CAI toll-free line 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features on the site there. Uh, They're totally free. So once again, freetalklive.com. And those features include archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, don't worry about it. They're there for you. You can click and download as many as you want. Uh, Go back as far as late 2006. Uh, Once again, you can drop over to freetalklive.com. The last seven days' worth of the show are right there, front and center, top of the website, easy to access. And then uh, it just takes an extra click or so to get to years' worth of the show. Uh, You can just go to soundcloud.freetalklive.com. Or if you're already on freetalklive.com, just look on the left-hand side of the page under Listen and Share for our SoundCloud link. And by the way, there's a link there for Edgington Post. Some people have been asking us here and there, uh, Mark, about your show that you do. It's an interview series that you've been doing for a couple of years now. You just did one with Michael W. Dean tonight. That's right. About his new gun training DVD. That's, um, uh, I think it's gun training with the – I've got it right here in front of me uh, – gun training with the non-aggression principle. Which I heard uh, rave reviews about this video over the weekend, by the way. And as I understand it, we actually have some copies of that DVD to give away, so uh, stay right. tuned for details on that. I think I'm going to give them away tonight. Uh, Edgington Post, though, is the, the interview series that you're doing. It's part of our main podcast, so if you subscribe to the regular Free Talk Live po- podcast, you receive those episodes automatically. However, some people would like to subscribe to a specific Edgington Post podcast. And that is available. It is there under the Listen and Share uh, section. Same place as the SoundCloud link. So it's on the left-hand side of the website under Listen and Share. Just look for Edgington Post. That's uh, the Edgington Post podcast. There you go. So it's there. Uh, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. By the way, we were talking about how numbers make a difference when it comes to activism. Because uh, Robert had called in saying, you know, it's we the people. We can change this thing about uh, drug prohibition. We can end this. And we could and we can but it takes action you know it takes people being willing to do what it takes and there's a lot of what it takes there's a lot of stuff that uh, that has to be done mainly changing people's hearts and minds about this issue because if you can't change people's hearts and minds no minority of activists is going to be able to accomplish anything so you've got to bring people on board with the ideas and continually propose those ideas in a political sense in that somebody's got to bring forth the legislation now, fortunately, those of us on this show are here in New Hampshire, and we're here because of the Free State Project, which is a project that is designed to move thousands of people who, like we do, appreciate the ideas of liberty all to the same place in order so that they can be active together to achieve more liberty in our lifetime and thereby more effective at it. And we've seen that happening already with a couple dozen liberty-minded folks, uh, or excuse me, Free State Project participants being elected. Even more people who are endorsed by the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance as liberty-friendly are also elected. There's a bunch of them there in the State House already. But what I heard the other night was pretty exciting. And I don't know if you guys have heard this yet, but in Manchester, there are two ward races. That they have uh, they divvied up Manchester, the big city in New Hampshire, into different wards. And so there's like one 
state rep per ward, I guess. Right. And in two of the ward races, both candidates, the Republican and the Democrat, are Free State Project participants. Oh my. That's cool. I knew it was in one. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was in two. Yep. So whoever wins, Liberty wins in, uh, in those races. Nice. You know, I, I mean, I, certainly New Hampshire has lots of Liberty reps, uh, more than the dozen or so that have uh, been elected yep. uh, that are Free State Project members. And as a matter of fact, I think the number is over 100 that were endorsed by the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. But it's always, uh, for me, a little better when Free State Project members go because you know that those people are, uh, you know, they're, they're hardcore. They were able Mostly, to pick up, yeah. they picked up their lives and they moved. Absolutely. I just think that's exciting. And that's the kind of thing that I'd love to see more things, you know, things like that happen where liberty minded people are getting active in both the Republican and Democratic parties and they're getting nominated for these uh, these elections and thereby somebody's going to win and whoever wins, we all win because, you know, maybe they're going to differ on a couple issues. But overall, these candidates are generally very, very liberty oriented. And by the way, how's your state doing? I, I'm sure you know, right? Like, you're paying close attention, You who's listening to my voice. You clearly know about how many liberty-minded people are elected in your state. They're, they're proposing all kinds of legislation, and they're grading all the state reps on how they do as far as the, the ratings of uh, what they're voting on. Is if you live in the liberty- other 49 states, the chances are that there's no good reason to pay attention to the liberty-oriented yeah, I was joking. I don't <laughs> think anybody out there pays any attention uh, because, yeah, it's, it's hopeless. It's hopeless in those other places. So if you want to have hope, I know that's how I felt in Florida when I was living down there uh, and the libertarian candidates were getting, you know, 3% or whatever it is they get. I can tell you I'm running as a libertarian and I know, Mark, you've made fun of me uh, for that, but I'm going to do better than 3%. Yeah. Let me just, I don't want to sound overconfident, but... uh, I'm going to eat my words. (laughs) You've explained the situation to me and... You know, I think it's it, normally running as a libertarian is an amusing sort of sideshow that yeah. does little, so don't pay much attention to them. So you've talked about how you're getting involved in the process, and I'm like, please, you're not getting involved in the process by running as a libertarian candidate. But it appears as though fate has the fates have smiled upon thee. There are no Republicans in the race. <laughs> there are no Republicans running in the race. This is Keene, New Hampshire, where and Republicans don't even bother trying. You, they, they've restructured the 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 run so that you're. Not running against the uh, the well liked uh, Democrats in most cases. There's uh, th- there's basically three uh, there's two seats, three people running for them. That's right. You're the third, mm-hmm. uh, or you know you are one of the three. One of them is a very well liked uh, legislator. That's a he's a shoo-in. Yeah, a, a college professor here in town and incumbent. I think he's the highest. He gets the highest votes, and he's he's in. Yep. But the other one is the least liked among the Democrats. He is not currently an incumbent, but has been in office previously. And he always got the lowest vote count uh, for whatever reason, just not He's a scumbag. Favorite. He's a former cop who actually advocates that you snitch on your friends. And, you know, I just huh. don't – I think that it's there's a good chance the Republicans will vote for you because they don't want to vote for the Democrats. Mm-hmm. And, and it will say libertarian behind your name. Is I that believe correct? it will. As opposed to lib, which is I a good so. thing, or l, which yeah. is just a confusing thing. So they may vote for you for that reason, and uh, you know you could get a bunch of Democrat votes, and and you could actually beat out this other guy. <laughs> we'll see. I'm not going to get my hopes up, but you know I think it's important for people to get into that you know the political system because at least in New Hampshire, <laughs> the rest of the country it's probably not worth your time. But in New Hampshire, we're actually succeeding at it. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more about what's going on here. There's uh, over a 1,000 participants that are already here. 
We've got over 12,800 people signed up to make the move. We want to get to 20,000, so we could use your help. Go to freestateproject.org. We were talking about uh, a gentleman who is named Jason Cantrell. He is the assistant city attorney in Orleans Parish. And, uh, or yeah, Orleans Parish Magistrate Court is where this happened. Monday morning, when a joint flew out of his pocket, apparently. Uh, he was talking to an officer at the time. Sources painted a comical picture of the incident, according to NOLA.com, saying that a pair of cops glanced at the joint on the ground, then at each other before making arguably the easiest collar in the annals of police work. Officers were seen chuckling as their, as their colleagues led Cantrell out of the courtroom at about 4.15 p.m. to write him up. If it only been five more minutes. Cantrell was not working uh, as a city attorney when he lost the joint, said Ryan Bernie, a spokesman for the mayor's office. He was suspended without pay pending an investigation, could not be reached afterward. He has practiced civil and criminal law in New Orleans for 17 years, including six as a public defender in juvenile court. So maybe he actually wasn't a prosecutor in this case. Maybe he was a defense attorney. He is the assistant city attorney, which may not mean that he's prosecuting criminal cases. Just depends. I don't know. Like, I, I can't go out on a limb and say for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, here in Keene, which is not New Orleans, uh, here in Keene, the city attorney just deals with city matters. Right. Not, not actual prosecution. They have a police prosecutor who's an attorney that does those sorts of things. So The city attorney works for the city but doesn't work for, you know, the criminal justice end, isn't it? Either way, he's in the club. He's in the uh, the club of the bar association of all the attorneys, and he hangs out. You know, they all hang out together, as a lot of them do, and they go golfing together and things like that. And uh, his wife is a candidate for District B seat on city council. City council in late 2010 made pot possession a municipal offense, allowing police to issue a summons rather than arrest and book an offender on state charges. So the city... Okay. I correct myself. The city attorney's office, last line in the story... Normally prosecutes municipal cases, has recused itself in his pot case. So, yes, his office is the office that does the prosecution. More coming up. You can take control and share your thoughts and observations on whatever you want. Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. You likely buy all kinds of things online. Amazon is the largest online retailer. You can get what you need at the same prices with free super saver shipping by going to shop.freetalklive.com. Please do your online shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. 855-450-FREE. Join us online. Again, freetalklive.com. And enjoy the mobile site. We've got uh, different links to useful software. Maybe you don't already have the software on your phone that you need to listen to live streams. We've got that there. Of course, links to the live streams, as well as the new listen lines uh, that you can utilize to tune into the, uh, to Free Talk Live anytime uh, via any phone that can dial long distance. You can find all that over at m.freetalklive.com. That's m as in mobile, dot freetalklive.com. So, uh, again, Jason Cantrell from the New Orleans City 
attorney's office, which apparently does do prosecutions, busted in court as a joint flew out of his pocket, allegedly. I imagine he put his hand in his pocket and removed it, and that is what resulted in the joint leaving his pocket. But police saw it on the floor, and they proceeded to, uh, I guess, arrest him. But I would be very interested to know what exactly transpired. Did he not notice the joint fall out? And then they picked it up and then sniffed it and decided to arrest him? Because it would seem to me that if a joint fell out of your pocket in front of the police, all you and you knew it, all you would have to do is pick it up and put it back in your pocket. If they didn't see it. They don't know what's in there. How do they know it's not a hand-rolled cigarette? Well, that- I can guarantee you that if I was in the street and I dropped a joint and I put it back in my pocket, they would demand to see it. That sounds like probable cause to me. You think so? Yes. Yeah. Having a rolled cigarette in your pocket is yes. probable cause for a search? A lawyer? Yeah. A bum? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I'd like to hear for, from a law enforcement officer on that one, if there's anybody out there listening tonight at 855-453. I think that if you had a a nice cigarette case and you had a number of roll hand-rolled cigarettes in there, they would probably believe it was a cigarette. But if you just mm. had a hand-rolled joint looking you know people that roll cigarettes by hand too um often there's a filter on it when there's not a filter on it it looks like a cigarette like joints have kind of the rolly ends you know what i'm talking yeah, about to keep the, the shake in right and so i i just feel like if a hand rolled joint fell out of your pocket even though it could be tobacco you are definitely going to be questioned on that well they can ask questions but i i question whether or not they can search you based on that. i think they can I think they make the rules, and they absolutely can, just like they can search They do car make the and- rules, and they do tend to do what they want. But, I mean, legally, from a, you know... I think what you're thinking of is a situation um, where, you know, they were... Uh, they, the activists were doing some stuff with beers, and Bradley Jardis said, can they prove what was in the bottles? Because they didn't have them as evidence. And so... No, I mean, like if a guy takes it to court and they don't have, they can't produce the joint or a joint at the very least that contains marijuana, then he might be able to win his case. But I think it's probable cause a you know something that's shaped like a joint is probable cause for believing that you have a joint. Hmm. I don't know eight five five four fifty. Just like a brown glass well, bottle is a probable cause to believe no, that you're carrying beer. No, it's not probable cause. It's not. Isn't the definition, Barry Cooper in one of those movies he did, he talks about the definition of probable cause. And I think that it was just anything that would lead to, like, believe that you are smoking marijuana. Well, again, if somebody wants to clear this up, I'd love to hear from from them. 855-450-FREE. So here's my defense, uh, because I was arrested for having a bottle which had water in it. It was a brown bottle. I was at the city council meeting a couple years ago, and I was arrested for this. We were playing a drinking game, having a little bit of fun. They, didn't, they don't like fun uh, being had in the city council meeting, so they threatened us. The police chief did come over and attempt to get me to hand my bottle over to him. So they will attempt to get you to consent to a search, and they're very persuasive in the way that they do it and very authoritative in the way that they do it. But that doesn't mean that they have probable cause. Because if he had probable cause, he would have just reached out and taken the bottle from me. Because then he would have been able to, do, to back that up legally. He asked me to hand it over and told me if I didn't hand it over, I would have to leave. I refused to do both. 
But I refused to leave and hand it over. Just because an officer acted one way in this specific circumstance, where this is they the police chief, right? But they know you well. They know what you're doing. So I'm not sure that it's exactly the same as someone who has a joint. Like you're an activist, and every police officer on the force knows who you are, and they know that you're there to rile them up. So there has to be some sort of uh, you know, occasionally they say, okay, this guy just wants to get a rise out of us, so I'm not going to give in to that. So I'm not sure that your specific circumstance is the same as this. I'm not saying they won't break the rules. We know they will, right? And I think it's important for people to know what the rules are. If a cop is, if, if a cop comes up and grabs a bottle from you and believes that there's alcohol in there, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Now, most people may not know this, and you know, because again, the cops do tend to pick on people that don't know their rights. They tend to go after bums, and they tend to go after teenagers and college kids who don't know their rights. Poor people who don't know their rights. So if they get their bottle stolen from them and illegally searched, they won't know it's an illegal search. They'll just plead guilty. They'll pay the fine. And then that's case closed. Well, I have a definition here of probable cause, which is, according to Wikipedia... A reasonable amount of suspicion supported by circumstances sufficiently strong to justify a prudent and cautious person's belief that certain facts are probably true. The circumstances that I think would have to surround that would be you acting drunk uh, or you smelling like cannabis or something like that. I you think know, a joint falling out of your pocket is definitely in that category. I'm, I just I'm do. With her. I think that that right. fits uh, every definition of probable cause. I'm sorry. He the his- problem is it's a stupid definition because it's all subjective. But I'm I think most cops would absolutely call and say that 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 would be probable cause. I don't think law enforcement officers should be going after any laws that don't have victims, and I don't think the possession of a joint has a victim. But if you happen to drop a thing that looked like a handgun out at the scene of a murder. I'm going to say that that's probable cause to search you to see whether that handgun is the same caliber as the person but who's dead. But then you have circumstances. Remember the definition of probable the cause. The circumstances is, is that you dropped a joint. You're I always, dropped something that's rolled. You're there's always no in, evidence. There's okay, what always, if I carried a bong around that I only <laughs> smoked tobacco out of? Uh, you're telling me that if I walk down the street <laughs> with a that. bong, that's not probable cause? Dude, will you try that? Because I would totally love to see that happen. It would be hilarious. It but, would be hilarious. But they would absolutely search me if I was walking I down the street with a two-foot bong. I wonder about that. That would be a, that would be an interesting experiment. 855-450-FREE. I hope that somebody out there is listening in law enforcement tonight because I'd love to have... I mean, not that their opinion is that much more valid, but they certainly have been trained a little bit further on uh, probable cause and what is and what is and what is not i think that they do tend to violate this concept frequently and they get away with it because people don't know uh the difference but again if that officer had probable cause he would have just taken the bottle from me and he didn't but you're talking about a specific circumstance where they know you very well so i don't think the comparison is there they didn't know uh okay but they didn't know everybody that was but they're with you doing the same thing so they know your game and you did, and I know a, their game. <laughs> you did have a blog post that said that, uh, that that there was going to be some people with beer and some people with water, right? 
I don't know if the blog post said there would be anyone with beer. I'm not certain. point is just that your specific circumstance, I don't think that you can relate it to any sort of probable cause definition because these cops have arrested you guys a million times and sometimes they bite and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just say, I don't want to deal with this. By the way, they dropped those charges, which should give you extra evidence that uh, they knew they had no case for what they ended up doing, which was arresting me anyway because I didn't leave the the building because they demanded I either, either hand over the bottle for an illegal search or, or, well, I guess it wouldn't be an illegal search. It would be a consensual search. I either hand over the bottle for a consensual search at that point so they could verify that it was not alcohol, or I could leave the building. And I said, well, I don't have to consent to a search, and I don't have to leave a public meeting. So I'm not gonna. And that's when they arrested me. And, of course, I wasn't charged with open container because there was water in the bottle. They charged me with disorderly conduct and some other nonsense. Did they and, check to see if there was water in the bottle at that Of course, point? yeah. Okay. And they uh, they dropped those charges. It took almost a year, but they did drop those charges. So I was vindicated. I don't know that they would have any probable cause to test your beer if you didn't leave the building. I mean, you haven't committed the the you know the open. You haven't broken. They haven't. You haven't given them evidence. Is your claim here that you broke the open container law? So how can they even test your beer? Well, if they'd already arrested me at that point. For something different, not right. leaving the building. Well, it doesn't matter. If you're arrested for something, they can search your inventory and they can charge you with various things. So if I had a pipe in my pocket, I would have gotten a paraphernalia charge at that point. Uh, so 855-450-FREE. The, the search is completely legitimate after they make an arrest, even if the arrest gets thrown out later. one 450 free I suppose an attorney could make an argument that it wasn't and probably try to counter-sue for a violation of rights, but I, don't, I think that'd be a pretty weak case. Typically, cops are able to search anybody they arrest. One eight five five four fifty free. You can take control. Best case would be you'd get the other charge thrown out for fruit of the poison tree doctrine. Hour two's next. You can bring up anything you want. Share your experience on what is probable cause. It's free talk live. Hi, I'm Richard Grove of TragedyandHope.com, and thanks to the help of Mark and Ian here on Free Talk Live, we've created this call to action to help raise awareness for John Taylor Gatto. In 2001, former New York City and State School Teacher of the Year, John Taylor Gatto, published The Underground History of American Education, detailing how public schooling creates obedient workers and debt slaves. Now John delivers a message which he calls your birthright. It's titled The Ultimate History Lesson, and it's a five-hour journey illustrating how and why our public schools are dumbing us down and what we can do about it. Therein, referencing more than 200 footnotes and 30 classic texts. John suffered multiple strokes in the weeks after filming this interview, and he's in need of your help as he continues to recover. Please click the banner on freetalklive.com and enter the coupon code FTL and we'll send you the ultimate history lesson on four DVDs plus a free 15-hour MP3 bonus DVD. Thank you for tuning in and not dropping out. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want at 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and you can join us on our website as well. Uh, Should you like to, you may get interactive there, or you can just go and look at it. But we'd prefer if you interact with it, because that's what it was built for. It was built for you to create the content and or vote on the content that exists there, because it's essentially a social media kind of aggregation site in which you post things that you find online as show prep items, and then other listeners can vote them up or down, and the most voted up make it to the front page of the site. Thereby, more people get to see them, including the hosts of the show, more likely to talk about it if they show up on our front page at freetalklive.com. Here tonight, it's Ian, by the way. And Julia. And Mark. All right. So we're 
uh, there's a lot in the news here, of course. We'll talk to you about whatever you want. But, Mark, you had a story about a, a cop who hit somebody with a car, a young man, I guess. And then his mom, apparently, is now facing some sort of restitution. What's going on? Yeah, it's, it's a really weird article. It's out of the New York Daily News. And it's uh, a situation where a, a barista, I guess this person makes coffee, right? A uh, 27-year-old mm-hmm. coffee barista died in April after being struck by an NYPD squad car that began chasing him as he uh, swiped um, at, at, as he swiped paver stones in the pre-dawn light at his Brooklyn housing project. Hmm. So I guess he was taking some paver stones. Maybe he was going to resell them. I don't know what his plan was exactly. But um, I guess his name was Tamon Robinson. And um, But now his mom's being chased anew, hounded by a collection agency hired by the city with a cruel demand. The city has ordered her to pay He's a 27-year-old, by the way. $710, the cost of repairing the police car that killed her boy. We're still grieving, and this is like a slap in the face, said Robinson's mom, Laverne Dobinson, um, 45. And where was this again? New York City. Okay. uh, uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. It's that they want my son. They want they want my son to pay for damage to a vehicle that killed him. It's crazy. The blood money letter dated uh, September the twenty seventh and mailed to her son uh, <laughs> seeks seven hundred and ten dollars for property damage to a vehicle owned wow. by the New York Police Department. It also threatened to slap the family with a lawsuit if the claim isn't paid. So let me see if I've got this straight. They rammed a guy to death because he stole some brick pavers. I don't know what exactly happened. Anything could happen while someone was, uh, but in the early morning. They're uh, not claiming he like pulled a gun or tried to kill the cops, right? uh, Robinson was fleeing after being caught red-handed, stealing the decorative stones from the grounds of the Bayview um, houses in uh, Carnacy. How many pavers do you think he could possibly steal at once? Unless, if if he didn't have a wheelbarrow or something like that with him. Two? Four? (laughs) Yeah. Six. How many? How many? How many cents per paver are we talking about here? Like oh, for a really fancy are, one? Th- those things are probably pretty expensive. You I'd say so? a couple of bucks a piece. Ooh, that's worth killing a man. Well, right um, there. It, apparently, to put a stop to this, he ran toward the building, but was struck by the vehicle. Was this, that's the only explanation there. Mm. He was struck by the vehicle, as if the vehicle. This is the rush. <laughs> the, vehicle the, did the, it. the rush Limbaugh stuff. Where they're always talking about the the SUV. <laughs> In this case, it's a vehicle, but it was driven by Officer Volcan, whatever his name is here. Um, Robinson slipped into a coma and never regained consciousness during a dying six days later of blunt impact to his he- from head injuries. The city medical examiner ruled his death an accident and that was i guess the incident remains under investigation the nypd's internal affairs bureau is also probing allegations from witnesses that robinson was deliberately mowed down and so photos oh uh, yeah photos well, taken of the squad car show a large indentation in the front left hand side of the vehicle even if it was an accident if i accidentally ran over a cop and killed it i would have to pay for that dearly it's going to be a bad day for you. Yeah, it's uh, certainly it's a different. It's always a different story. You know, the police officer's story is always the one that's believed before anybody else's. There's no. Well, luckily, this was New York City where there were somebody when you know, something there were happens some other people to around. you, you're a suspect. When something happens to the cop, they're a victim. But even if yep. you believe their story, like it was an accident, he didn't mow him down. Like, let's just take that side. They still shouldn't make them pay for damages. That seems that's wrong. outrageous. Even if you accidentally hurt somebody, you're still responsible. 
It may have not been intentional, but you still have to make good on that. So I, I think you're responsible to some extent in whatever the cost it is to bring you to justice. So if this person lived and they didn't, and I think that, uh, you know, in this case, they're dead. The the city's out the money. But I, I'm thinking in sort of a more free market world yeah. where uh, somebody gets injured, uh, you know, dents my car with their head and lives um, while I'm trying to chase them down for property they've stolen from me. And I wasn't intentionally trying to mow them down. Aren't they responsible for the damage to my car? I think that you can make an argument for that. And I think that, uh, like, for instance, so let's say... Uh, you owe somebody some money, you go on the lam, and that person has to hire a bounty hunter in order to get you back, you're going to have to pay for the bounty hunter. I mean, if you you owed, you owed that person X, but because you increased the cost of collection uh, beyond that point, you owe them X plus whatever the increased costs were. So that makes sense. But you would, in order to uh, get those payments for the damages, you would have to prove that he was A, stealing the property, and B, that you didn't run him down with you. Like, all of that would have to be investigated. Well, plus, if the bounty hunter uses excessive force, then he could become liable. So if it was a total accident that the car was damaged, maybe you'd have a case. But if it was something to where, you know, the dude just ran him down because he could because he's a We're never going to know that. Right. And, you know, that's the circumstance here is there's, uh, you know, two people were involved in this and one of them is living. Yeah. And so the only story you've got is the story from the living person. If there's a dash cam in this this uh, police car, then maybe we could talk about the dash cam. I don't know. I think that that's I think that every police car should be equipped with a dash cam and every police officer should have a badge cam. And I think that if their cameras aren't working, that they should get a, a suspension and that those suspensions should increase, should be without pay and should increase every incident that that occurs every time a police officer is supposed to have had something on and i don't care whether something happened or not every time they're caught without their badge on and without their their badge cam on and without their their um car cam on these things should also be broadcast and put on the internet now that would be the kind of accountability that i would like to see from my civil servants the uh, you know suggestion being that these are really my civil servants and that i have any control over that and i don't think it's, it's my firm belief that police departments around the country do not want to serve the public to this level, that they would feel that they are exposing themselves to uh, further kind of, you know, liability by having their police officers, uh, you know, on camera all the time. Yeah, they sure and what are. what I think that suggests is that their police officers are a liability. And they know it. If other people were to find that out or be able to be, you know, show them that footage. Uh, but I do to- think that in this in this case, if the if the story of the police officer can be believed that that individual is responsible for paying. Now, what it doesn't sound like his estate is going to be very large, and I don't think the family should be responsible for paying for it. But I think it's clearly excessive force. I mean, there's. No reason. Clear. There's no reason whatsoever to be chasing down somebody stealing a couple brick pavers with. Uh, I mean, Mark, you would absolutely agree that car chases, as far as the police are concerned, are something that's a terrible idea because it endangers the people around. Uh, so, regardless of what happened to the, you know, the criminal in this particular case, who knows who else might have gotten hit well, by this fool cop? One of the reasons I think car chases are um, not necessary is they make you pay all this money to register your vehicle so that you have these numbers on the back of it, and they can yeah. record. Those numbers, find out whose car it is, and then do some investigative work after that. If it's just some kid in a housing project at 5 a.m. running off with some pavers, you have no way to identify it who that is. It doesn't matter. And he's never, the cop is never going to catch the kid. It does. Look, 
the cops need to work out then because they're too too damn fat if they can't catch somebody. Sorry, uh, that's just not. No, happen. it's not okay to run somebody down. For, I'm not suggesting it's okay to run anybody okay. down, Ian. I'm suggesting that if you are in a vehicle that can go faster than a person on foot, that perhaps you would want to chase that person in the vehicle rather than getting out and trying to chase them on you foot. You can't chase that person down an alleyway. You can't chase that person. Apparently, through a park. the cop uh, did manage to catch the individual. Dead. <laughs> I'm just saying. I get what you're saying, and I'm telling you that using any kind of excessive force to bring someone to justice is unjust and un- unnecessary. I agree with that. However, I think that using a, a vehicle in order to catch up with somebody is not un- uh, you know, unnecessary. Yeah. 855-450-FREE. Clearly, he wasn't looking to catch up with him. 1-855-450-3733. And I highly doubt this person turned around and ran straight into his car. Seems unlikely. Uh, so we're going to continue. Of course, you can take your, uh, you can dial in, bring up anything you want. We'll take your calls about that. Also, speaking of cops, looks like the Detroit police chief's in some pretty hot water. We'll explain over what has to do with sex. It's Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. Coming up, naughty, naughty police chief from Detroit will tell you what he's been up to. 855-453-FREE. That's the toll-free number with you in the studio. It's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. Toll-free, 1-855-450-3733. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable. And if you have a business, you know that accounts receivable, no fun to handle. So you can turn it over to SACL CAI. They'll respect you and your customers. Uh, they'll treat them in ways that uh, you know, you're, you're going to be happy with. They record every call so that you're, you can always go back and check to see if there's any kind of problems. It's SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. All right, so let's continue here. We'll talk about Detroit here in a moment. Carla is on the line calling from New Hampshire. Carla, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Um, I hope the line's not too bad. I'm actually sitting in my car. I stepped out of the movie just to come say hi. What? You you left a movie to come talk to us? What is going on? I did, I did, I did. Well, I should say, first of all, I have seen it once before. I flew down to D.C. last week to uh, go see the premiere of Atlas Shrugged 2. Whoa, 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 whoa. You flew to D.C. to watch a movie premiere? I mean, you must be really (laughs) into this movie. You know what, I'm not, and I'm actually not a Randian, but I just thought it was kind of cool. Someone invited me when people ask me to do something, I generally do it. And Well, that's not something you should say on the air here on Free Talk Live, I can tell you that. They were all fancy pants, and they were like, you got to fly out and come, you know, hang out with the big wigs. And uh, we went down, and we have a lot of the board members from the Free State Project uh, actually live in, in Maryland. And so we had a great little contingent there, and we did the schmoozing and the talking and the whining and the dining. So you kind of saw it as like a, a Free State Project outreach event? Yeah, you know, and so tonight's one is sort of a, I would say it's like a New Hampshire outreach. We had the Speaker of the House, Bill O'Brien, just did a little speechifying. 
um, folks from the NHLA. I, uh, I I did a little talking, and we have about 250 people here. Wow. I, yeah, and it's, uh, you know, I'm sad you guys couldn't make it. I know you have to work. I have but, to uh, say, the movie, the first one I saw the trailer for it, it was boring. It, it didn't really look that good. I mean, is this any good? This one is a hundred times better than the first one. Huh. Now, personally, like, I'm not a Randian, and I'm not Me sure neither. we want to attract way more objectivists. But this one is pretty good, and what makes it good is it just... Um, you know, so it's it's the it's the middle one of the trilogy. So this is Atlas Shrugged, all, part two of three. Yes, yeah, part gotcha. two of three, and um, they spent a lot more money, so it's better. They actually recast everyone, what? so everyone's like a little more mature and, in my opinion, believable. Huh. And I almost get the sense, although I have no way to confirm this, that they got people who kind of believe the message. So, like, from Penn and Teller, Teller's in it. And really? He, um, Does he, he speak? He actually talks. Oh, that's so, fun. So the silent one, which whichever one never Teller. talks. Is that's in Teller, it. yeah. That's Teller fun. doesn't generally tell. It's pretty special to uh, to get to see Teller speak. That's great. Yeah, you know, and, and the actors all seem pretty solid, and they have some special effects, and there's a, you know, plane chase, and it's, 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 it's the second one, I have to say, it's pretty tight. Like, they hired some people. They doubled their budget. They uh, went from $10 million to $20 million. Um, Did they they must have made money then on the first one then, right? Like, you don't go and make a second, you don't make a sequel to a film unless you actually make a profit on the first one. Yes, or, you know, you're Randian and it's all weird. I don't know. Like, I mean, it seems like a lot of people threw a lot of money at it. Yeah, but, I would think that that's... Um, but I think the good, to, to sort of good results in this case. Now, isn't this... I heard they didn't make much money on the first one, but that people are, you know, that, that folks are so sort of zealous about it that they uh, made sure they got the money for the second and third. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that... Um, what I'm sort of excited about is, is you know, there are a bunch of, I, I didn't know this, actually, but one of the um, both investors and producers on the movie is a mover to New Hampshire with the Free State Project. Oh, okay. And he's been out here since 2009, and he's the executive director of um, the Atlas Shrug Society. And he, you know, I was like, you're a free <laughs> And that was a bit of an eye-opener for me. So, you know, it's we never know where we are. Well, and I think this would make for an interesting, uh, like, outreach event for people that are elsewhere. Because I presume this movie is going to premiere in other places or going to be other, you know, locations where people can go and see Either this. Either that or Obama. Around the country. Uh, and so those would be ideal locations for folks to go and do outreach to the people that are going to watch that movie. Uh, as far as, you know, if there are Free State Project participants in that area, that would be a good uh, you know, kind of prospecting ground for uh, recruiting some new people to come on up here. But this is an incredibly popular book, by the way. I mean, Atlas Shrugged, uh, according to Wikipedia, sold 445,000 copies in 2011, the second strongest sales year in the novel's history. I mean, it's crazy. I, I read it way back in college, and I have to say, like, I almost feel embarrassed that I have to go reread it. You know, it's a little pandemic. It's a little um, polemic. But, you know, she has some good ideas, and I think anyone who can philosophically at least explain the ideas of individualism is something I'm willing to listen to. And um, I, I heard, actually, maybe like a year ago on NPR, of all places, 
that it's um it's the best selling book in India, which you know mm. has the second largest population in the world. Mm. And I was just fascinated by that because you know I think so many um you know in some ways like so many of the new world or what we would consider the third world are excited about the ideas of free markets and capitalism and all the stuff that we sort of lost sight of maybe a little. And in this version of the movie, I mean, it's it's almost uncanny and quite frankly, a little creepy how close it is to where we are right now in America. Hmm. Well, I appreciate you calling and sharing that uh, tonight, Carla. And uh, I guess folks can just look up Atlas Shrugged Part 2 if they want to take a look at it online, maybe get a, a trailer. Sure. And, you know, if they want to get in touch with people, we are doing outreach all over the country. People can find it on Facebook. I think there's an Atlas Shrugged Outreach um, group or something, or just find the, uh, you know, Free State Project on Facebook. Cool. And um, and we can hook them up with pamphlets and let's go out and multiply. Cool. Carla, thanks for the call. Carla, the uh, by the way, the president of uh, the Free State Project. And she does a great job, by the way. Really a nice lady, and she's traveling all over the place and speaking at various different liberty conventions. She was at the Ron Paul uh, rally thing that they had before the Republican National uh, Convention that went down a few weeks ago. And doing a great job. And I I don't have the – I was looking here on the Wikipedia page about Atlas Shrugged. I don't see it, but I I could swear I've heard it's like one of the top selling books in the world, like yeah. right after the you know the, the book Bible. of Mao or whatever. I, no, I heard it was the Bible. I mean, like it's the Bible. Then Atlas shrugged. Okay, it's I, interesting. Have you read it? Uh, I've read part of it. I found it to be so boring I could not continue. I gotta say that that's what my experience was too. It's too. It didn't I look tried interesting to, li- to me. I tried then <laughs> to listen well, uh, to it on uh, uh, an audio book, and then found it too boring to finish. There was actually a copy of that book in this house when we moved in. That's right. So yeah. I tried to read it, and I just I couldn't get into it at all. I've never even tried. Uh, it's just too. It looked too long. Yeah, <laughs> I just wasn't interested. Uh, and besides, I find the uh, cult of personality that surrounds Ayn Rand to be creepy, and I'm not interested in that either. Eight five five four fifty free. Reading the book doesn't really have anything to do with that. That's the Sakel CAI toll free line. Yeah, but I don't want to support that. You know what I mean? I don't want to support that kind of the culty aspect. More coming up. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest Liberty Forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything that you want, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And you can enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. We've got our webcam. You can go watch, listen, and interact. Because there on the cam page, you'll find our chat room. It's right there built in the same page, cam.freetalklive.com. And it's all free for you. That's cam.freetalklive.com. 
Com. As we continue here, we'll take your calls about whatever's on your mind. Still to come, the naughty, naughty Detroit police chief will uh, let you know what he's been up to because he has resigned. Why? Well, you'll find out. And probably Moses in Michigan might have already heard that story, but you're actually calling from the Benton Harbor area listening to WSJM. Moses, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, um, I was just hearing a lot about uh, hyperinflation. And I was just wondering if you ever think that, if you really think it's going to happen in our lifetime. I am not somebody who will predict any kind of financial trend or anything that might happen in finances in the future. I'm not going to go out on that limb. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, what's going on uh, currently with the with with the dollar is something that's unprecedented, and that's the thing that I'll say. I'll say that I think that it's a probably a good idea for you and your family to be ready for for some kind of disaster, whether that disaster is weather oriented or uh, government oriented, because currently. It's 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 really unprecedented to have a world reserve currency that's not backed by anything, and that's what's happening with the U.S. dollar. It is a it is a fiat currency unbacked by anything, and it is uh, that world reserve currency is being inflated at a breakneck speed. Uh, there's just so many of them being introduced. Uh, the QE three which is a $40 billion worth of new money being printed by the Federal Reserve in order to buy distressed assets from banks, is going on right now and will go on into the future as far as anyone knows. This is an incredible amount of dollar bills being dumped into the marketplace. And what the, uh, what the, uh, we, have, we have no way to look into history and say, this is what happens when you do that. But we do know what happens okay. when governments hyper, um, inflate their currency is generally it's a bad thing. So... I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if it's our lifetime, but I would think so. What I will say anyone, is, go ahead. Anyone we like in our office will change anything, really? No, not to not to uh, federal government's level. I mean, the only way out of this financial uh, crisis is to get out of the federal government, in my opinion. Because they're just going to keep printing money until it comes to an end. And uh, and then who knows what kind of uh, cards they might have up their sleeves to kind of keep the ball rolling. But you know whether or not hyperinflation hits in our lifetime, we do know that we have inflation. And that's, a, that's something that you can count on. Like, that's happening now. The government's going to tell you it's at a certain level. And the reality of it is that it's higher than the government's calculations. Because, Mark, don't they not include things like food in the uh, inflation estimates? Right. They use the consumer price index, which is uh, they, they don't have food, fuel, or housing right. figured into it. Now, I don't know about you, but I spend the vast majority of uh, my monthly income on food, fuel, and housing, or I did before, right. I, when I, before I had an electric car, but uh, you know, still a utility. Okay. All right, so, thanks. Hey, Moses, thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. Yep. So in regards to the, the discussion, so inflation is happening, and there are things you can do about it. So the solution is not to find some politician that's going to promise to change things, because first of all, none of them were promising that. Maybe Ron Paul, you know, audit the Fed, possibly shut down the Fed. Ron Paul might have possibly have been able to make something happen, but that's not an option. So uh, all the rest of these cats are not interested in any kind of accountability for the Federal Reserve, for the federal government. They want to keep printing money. Printing The printing press is one of the reasons why the government is so powerful, is because they can just print out their budget. If you don't pay taxes, it doesn't matter to them, ultimately. I mean, they, they like to go after people every now and then to kind of hold them up like Wesley Snipes, like, ah, see what we can do, we're in charge. But ultimately, they don't care. Because as long as you keep using their money, they've got you right where they want you. And that is you and the rest of us that use their Federal Reserve notes are essentially just 
we're just people that work for them. And even if you don't pay taxes, you're still working for them because as long as you're using their dollars, they can steal value from it. Every time they print more money or increase the digits in a computer and, you know, kind of digital inflation, every time they add more money to the system, it takes money, it takes value from the money that you have. So you're being taxed whether you want to be or not, whether you are aware of it or not. Inflation is a constant tax and it's a, it's a deadly one because it hurts your standard of living. Your standard of living goes down while the fat cats who are at the top of the corporate that are tied in with the government and the government agents themselves are the ones who directly benefit from the inflation process. So really the ultimate question is not whether or not hyperinflation is going to happen, but what are you going to do to protect yourself from inflation that is happening? Because if you don't do anything, then your you know, your standard of living is just going to get eaten away and eaten away and eaten away, and just like everybody is. So what do you do about that? Well, you need uh, basically hard assets of some sort or another. Um, you know, I mean, we talk about the Bitcoin on the show, and that seems to be – that is a currency that has value. Uh, gold and silver, that's something. Um, you know, other people would advocate getting a uh, you know, fixed-rate loan on your mortgage and buying things. Mm. I mean, you know, fact, the fact is things are real value. Well, like a tool for a business, for instance, would be a good thing to have. Uh, so like some sort of an industrial uh, product or for you know, our business. Something that's, that lasts. Yeah, something that's – well, usually a good industrial product is going to last you. Uh, but something that you can use to make more money in the future, right? So if you get good tools for your business, that should, in theory, help you be more productive and uh, be able to successfully serve your customers because people are still going to want products and services even in an inflationary kind of a situation. I wouldn't suggest that that thing that you take a mortgage out on your house to get should be a flat screen TV. I think that that should be something that (laughs) you... But That's why I said tools for your business because you can make money off of that. I just want to make it clear that what I'm saying, um, you know, what I think is, is the case. But... You know, whatever it is, uh, you know, the, the fact is the, the dollar itself is devaluing. If you go to shadowstats.com, uh, they'll, they say that it's about 8 to 10% every year is real inflation. And I, I don't know. It's been a little while since I uh, did grocery shopping myself, uh, but it, I, I know the loaves of bread now are significantly more than they were when I was shopping. I used to think of a loaf of bread, yeah, buck, buck 25. Like three bucks now. Yeah. Well, the soda machines, and I don't buy soda, so this isn't something I notice. But every once in a while, I'll like look at the price on a soda machine, buck twenty-five, and it's—I mean, a can is a buck twenty-five, and you used to be able to get those for a quarter when I was a kid. Right, fifty cents. Even when I was a kid, ten years ago, uh, Walmart would have the quarter machine out front. And I, I, you know, I mean, I took a trip around the United States in nineteen ninety-eight, and gasoline in Union, South Carolina, was eighty-seven cents a gallon. It That's was 15 years ago. 96 cents when I started driving, which was 10, 12 years ago. So it is, I mean, it's just and going what, up. It just hit, didn't it just peak over the weekend in California at a, a record? Five bucks. Five, oh, it was close to six. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. So, and they don't include that in the, infl- the official inflation numbers. No. So when they say that inflation's at, well, I don't know, what, 3% or whatever they want to claim, but, it's probably like 13%. But they say unemployment is 8%, but the amount of people working is like 60, 
one percent. So because they don't count people who aren't looking for a job, right? Somehow or another, you know, they don't have thirty nine percent of the population. Uh, they mm. they thirty one percent of the population is simply uncounted. Well, there's old people, and then there's people who aren't old enough to work, right? So those people are a factor in there, but they aren't counted. Is it is it true I don't that think, they're not? I think ca- those are working age adults. Okay, is it true though that they're not counting the people who aren't supposedly looking for work? That is absolutely true. They do not count the people that they they consider to not have been looking for work, yep. whatever that means to them. So if you're on welfare or if you just given up and trying to find a find work, you're not counted in those statistics. That's correct. So you can't trust the government to uh, be honest with you about any of these economic no, factors. No, because they don't because they're rated themselves by these factors, so therefore they're going to pencil whip the fla- the factors. Mm-hmm. I don't trust them when it comes to any of their numbers. Julia, you've got some Bitcoin. What about uh, gold or silver? I am not an expert in any way on this financial stuff at all. I do have bitcoins. Um, I really I'm fond of the bitcoins. They're I, easy. They're they're really easy. So I. I buy bitcoins kind of frequently now. Actually, I don't. Johnny have... Ray does ten percent of every uh, paycheck. That's funny because I'm doing something similar. Yeah, it's. I think that's a real smart yep. uh, plan. Personally, I wouldn't put all my eggs uh, eggs in any one particular basket. No, I wouldn't uh, either. But you know, ten percent of any paycheck into something besides Federal Reserve notes, whether it's silver or it's Bitcoin or both, five percent in one, five percent in the other. That's going to diversify you a little bit, and that's not putting eggs in a basket. That's getting your eggs out of the, the dollar basket. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. You like your friends. You like Free Talk Live. Like your friends enough to share something you like with them. Help Free Talk Live get into more ears. Podcast listeners are the most important area of growth for Free Talk Live. Please share one episode a week on Facebook. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features that we have there waiting for you. Again, freetalklive.com. And one of the things we can do there is uh, you can send us, if you have them, bitcoins. And you can do that through bitcoin.freetalklive.com. That's our Bitcoin tip jar, and it's Bitcoin, so it makes it easy. If you've got Bitcoins, you just drop the address in, put in the amount that you want to send in, and problem solved. Uh, But, Julia, you said that you have been taken to uh, purchasing Bitcoins recently. Right. What is it that you like about them? Um, Well... I guess what what I like about them, I don't know much about silver and gold. I'm mm-hmm. terrible at the financial stuff. I just not doesn't really particularly interest me. But I have been paying attention to bitcoins for a couple of years now, and the value just continually goes up. So I like well, that about it. You can't count on that. <laughs> it's not always true. I, I know it, it has gone up to thirty, and it has not ever gotten back that high. And it has, but it also hasn't gotten back as low as what they started out at. That's true. It hasn't gone down below they like started two out bucks like in two quite bucks, a long time. Right? And it's no, they been, started out at zero. Well, she started paying attention one. after the crash, is what it sounds like. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. I mean, I'm. I like I said, I'm not an expert at all. I'm partial to bitcoins because I like. I think that they're easy to get. Um, I 
and bitinstant.com yes, makes, I love it, makes it easy. I mean, you can go down to something like a, a million locations all across the world, 30 different countries now. They've expanded from three countries to 30. Uh, there are a bunch of places where you can go. Uh, you can go to Bank of America, deposit there, a couple other banks, I believe. There's also... Uh, CVS, Walmart, uh, MoneyGram locations, anywhere with a red MoneyGram phone. You can go there and do uh, your Bitcoin transaction. You can turn cash into Bitcoins using BitInstant.com. And it's just so easy. Uh, once again, BitInstant.com. Now, if you don't know about Bitcoins, go to WeUseCoins.org and learn more. They're pretty complicated. I mean, I I base I have a basic understanding for how they work. But, I mean, I've watched a ton of videos and read a lot of stuff. And it's it's not that easy to grasp right away it's a learn there's a learning curve yeah. for sure for well sure. i don't think you need to know everything about the creation right. of uh, federal reserve notes um in order no. to be able to spend money in the same way you don't need to know understand cryptography uh to you know at the the level that uh, you know bitcoins are out there in order to use bitcoins let's go to the phones brian's on the line listening in indy to wxnt hey brian hey how you guys doing hey, what's on your mind tonight um, I was just going to bring up, uh, I heard uh, last night uh, Mark and Stephanie talking about the uh, first sale doctrine copyright law. Yeah. The uh, Kurt Sang versus John Wiley and Sons. That's right. And, and uh, I just thought it needed to be brought up again just because that's a pretty scary idea of what could What are we talking thing. about here? This is a situation where, and we've talked about it in the past on the air, um, Ian, where a college student back in 1997 found that he could get uh, brand new textbooks that he was paying hundreds of dollars for relatively cheaply in his home uh, land of Thailand. So he'd have his uh, parents send them over and he would sell them to his friends and it became like a multi-million dollar, a million dollar business hmm. on eBay. In 1997, selling these textbooks, um, and basically the textbook manufacturers like, you can't do that, it's copyright infringement. But, but it was their textbook. It was their textbook, brand new, not infringed in any way, it's just they sell them at different prices in different countries. Uh-huh. So he was just moving them, buying them, moving them across borders, and selling them in the same and way. And they said that, that was a violation of copyright? That was a re- violation of copyright, Absolutely. and then there's different courts have said different things about it along the way. And now it's going to the Supreme Court, oh, and it wow. should be a very interesting case because it really could change. Basically, it says that anything that was bought abroad now has to, you know, the, the, the owner would have to be paid in some way. So, you know, what do you do about the, the Michelangelo that you've got, um, you know, or whatever painting you have from a foreign country, uh, you know, or what, there's all kinds of things. Uh, okay, so something I'm confused about. You're saying anything that's bought abroad, the owner would have to be paid. Would not the owner have been paid because it was bought I'm abroad? I'm sorry, not the owner. The owner of the intellectual property that is that thing. Wouldn't they have had to have been paid in order for it to be sold in Thailand in the first place? Apparently not. Interesting. So, I mean, some courts have said that this was a violation of this company. This uh, What was the name of the, the publisher? Uh, it was uh, John Wiley and Sons. Wiley and Sons. The publisher was somehow having its its IP violated by this guy buying them in Thailand, buying the books in Thailand, mm-hmm. and selling them in the United States at a profit. So, Brian, what did you want to add to the discussion? Uh, well, well, the part that really scared me because I listen to you guys pretty much every day, and I, I decided to look it up. It was on Market Watch, and uh, it said that he basically just purchased them, just like if you were to purchase anything else. And he resold them, but they were upset at the fact that he was making a profit off of them. Hmm. So what he did was uh, the lower court has uh, said 
the lower court and the appellate court, both the second uh, circuit court, have both said that anything manufactured overseas is not subject to the first sale principle, only American-made products or, quote, copies manufactured domestically. That basically means that anything made overseas, you would technically have to, if, if the Supreme Court doesn't overrule it, you would technically have to, like if say you had to use the iPod, iPad, uh, basically anything electronic, because dang near everything's made overseas now. If you didn't contact them and said, hey, I want to sell it to my buddy down the street, uh, what do you want me to give you? And they, they technically get a cut out of it, and that's insane. That's, that's insane. Even on used? Uh, that's exactly what we're talking about. I must have the missed guy, that point. I thought he was buying second. brand new textbooks. He was buying brand new textbooks. When he bought them, they became used, Ian. That's like saying that uh, somebody that's reselling any product is using the products that uh, you know they're reselling. That's what he was. He he paid the exactly. company. He bought them retail. So it, look, look. Yeah, he's, if he's I treating everything like a song or a movie, if or I go a, anything it, else, you know, you hear over in uh, Russia that they'll pay a hundred dollars for a pair of blue jeans. I don't know if that's true. Please mm-hmm. don't get in the export business based on what I'm saying. But if I buy, if I go to to Walmart and I'm going to Russia and I buy ten pairs of jeans and I take them over there. Are they used or new? If they're unworn, then they're brand new. Okay, fine. Then that's uh, great. Now you agree with the court. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. Uh, I mean, the fact well, is, I bought them at a retail location. The I paid whatever taxes. In, wait, I thought the court ruled in the right direction. The court's this. ruled in several no, different directions. No, the, the, courts, the lower and uh, appellate court both ruled against people, saying that only if you buy domestic products does the right of uh, first resale apply. In other words, if I bought... I don't know, something made in the U.S., which I don't even know of anything made in the U.S. these days. But if anything was made in the U.S., I could resell it to people, and I, it just doesn't apply. I can sell it, and I don't have to pay anybody. Oh, so oh, okay, so I misunderstood what you were saying. I thought you were saying the reverse. So you're saying that you can resell things you buy retail in the U.S., but you can't resell things you buy retail from somewhere else? Anything manufactured somewhere else. It could be sold here, but it was if it was manufactured overseas, then it doesn't count. So, like, for instance, I just bought uh, a bunch of uh, two-way radios for some of the activists around here. I bought 10 two-way radios from uh, Hong if Kong. If made in China, you'd have to pay for it. I would have to pay only if it was an American product, though, right? Uh, if it was made here. I'm That's sorry. I'm, okay, I'm, stop talking I, for a second. I'm going to try to talk to Ian. He's I'm just not so sticking sorry. with me. Yes. The answer is yes. You bought them from Hong Kong. You owe the the, the manufacturer, whomever it is that has the intellectual property on those things. If, if they're an try- American. No. no. Anybody, anywhere. You owe them. If the, I resell it. If you resell it. Any yes. used item. Okay, just figure it this way because almost no, nothing's made in the United States. Mm-hmm. Any used item manufactured anywhere in the world that doesn't say USA on it, you now owe whoever hmm. has the intellectual property on that item. Wow, that's crazy. Not yet, but this was what it will be it if the Supreme Court rules wow. in it. In all right, case. all right. It's I crazy. Follow, I follow that now. Uh, Brian, anything else you want to share on this? No, I mean, I just I just had to bring it back up again because, I mean, I, that was such a giant story. I just wanted to make sure more people heard about it because that's, I mean, that's, Everything. I mean, it, it, I was reading in that article, it says that 40% of cars, like if you buy a car here, 40% of it's pretty much made somewhere else. You can't resell your car now without having to, to look up each individual, say a part <laughs> was made in Brazil and a part was made in China and a part it's was made in It's impossible to enforce like, this. I mean, they're going to only be able to select, they're only going to be able to selectively enforce this. I would never right? follow it. 
they're, they're only going to be able to selectively enforce this on people that are, you know, like this guy. He made millions of dollars, so all of a sudden now he's a target. But if you're just buying things and selling them on eBay, it seems very unlikely that that they're going to find out and or take the time and money to uh, to enforce it. I don't see how they're going to enforce. I don't think see how they're going to rule. Well, they're not going to enforce it, I wouldn't think, on the average person, but eBay and Craigslist are both concerned that they could crack down on on them in particular. That's so true. So if they shut down eBay and Craigslist, that's a good point. That's scary. Brian, thanks for sharing that tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. I guess you all discussed that in detail on the Sunday night show, right? Yep, and it's been all over the news. Which you can go uh, grab over at freetalklive.com. Is the, the court now hearing the case, like as we speak? It's docketed, as I understand. Gotcha. All right, well, as I'm sure when we hear more, we'll talk about it further. 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour number three is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Coming up, Detroit Police Chief, he is in big trouble. We'll explain. It's Free Talk Live. You take control. Why did you move to the Shire? I moved here to the Shire because there's other people around who take liberty just as seriously as I do. I moved to the Shire because I saw videos of people challenging authority and thought that I could get support myself. It called to me, like, do this right now. I wanted to be around people like me who got it. And once I got here, I knew there was nowhere else that I wanted to be. Immigrating to the Shire was easy. I was instantly plugged into a community of individuals who also care about peace, liberty, and justice and are willing to do something about it. The people here are awesome, loving, and positive. It was for the adventure and for the feeling of something important is happening here. And I just wanted to come to sort of be part of that. Visit ShireSociety.com to read and sign the Shire Society Declaration and learn the reasons why, if you love liberty, you should immigrate to the Shire. Plus, add yourself to the Shire map at ShireSociety.com. That's ShireSociety.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program. Toll-free number tonight is 855-453-free. It's 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have waiting for you there. And you can actually create the content on the site. If you go there and you can log in, you'll see their numbered items going down the front page. Those items are what we call show prep. And they can be anything uh, from a news article to a YouTube video blog post, whatever it is you see online, you think our listeners and and that we would enjoy, you submit it as show prep, and then it will appear on the Upcoming Stories page on the website. Now, when you're on the Upcoming Stories page, that's where you can vote the freshest stories that are are on the site, vote them up to the point where hopefully they'll make it to the front page of the site. And again, that's all over at freetalklive.com, and it's completely free. Now, uh, I've been teasing all night to talk about a story out of Detroit where their police chief who's apparently been, uh, I guess, amid a scandal previously, is now resigning from office. And when a police chief resigns from office, it's usually a pretty serious... Yeah, it's got to be a pretty big deal, right? ...and a situation. Well, in this case, he didn't kill anybody, but he did have sex. Now, that they don't like that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to cops, they must not be sexual people. Right, because usually if you kill somebody as a cop, you'll get a promotion, you'll get you know uh, a medal... They'll, you know, read you some sort. You'll add your name to an uh, important uh, building or something like that. Uh, but if you, uh, you know, have sex or mow the lawn in your underwear, you'll get fired. I was just going to say there was a gentleman who mowed his... It, it was boxer briefs, wasn't it? That's right. It? Mm-hmm. And he got fired over it. 
He sure did. <laughs> if they had been Speedos, I guess it wouldn't have been a big deal. But since they happen to be boxer briefs, then it's a problem, right? I don't know. It might have been a problem if it was Speedos, too. Because he was showing off his uh, physique to his neighbors, and apparently... I want to know what he looks like. He was not not an, uh, an ugly man. I mean, he was relative, like, uh, unlike a lot of cops. This, this is a guy that, you know, if you're into guys, you would enjoy seeing mowing his lawn. Sweet. Yeah. So, uh, but th- this didn't have anything to do with that, uh, according to... And, and by the way, I've been all over the place looking for a real good, comprehensive looking story. pictures of cops mowing the lawn in their underwear. On, on this uh, particular issue. There's a lot of news about this right now, and a lot of it just kind of glosses over uh, what was going on, and I want to make sure that we can get the, a good story out. So I'm going to jo- go with the, uh, the New York Times to give you a summary of, uh, of what transpired. From NYTimes.com, a sex scandal in Detroit has forced out its chief of police, the second person in two years, to resign from the position after being accused of inappropriate relations with a female officer. Hmm. So, so, fellow female officer, co-worker. That's or, right. Well, it would actually be an employee, subordinate, right? A yep. subordinate. Okay. Yeah, this Are is the they highest. getting fired, too? Uh, no. Nope. So, he, and by the way, so this is the second chief, the second police chief. Who has been involved in inappropriate relations. So the guy before him was uh, removed for similar reasons. At a news conference on Monday, Mayor Dave Bing announced that the chief had decided to step down after, that's today, Monday, uh, decided to step down after news emerged last week. He was having an extramarital affair with an internal affairs officer in the department. Hmm. Well, private businesses have these policies, and you can kind of see why it would be a conflict of interest. Like... Yeah, for what sure. if someone from internal affairs was supposed to be investigating him, but he they're having a relationship that makes her, you know, it's not really f- fair. She could give in a biased opinion. Um, so I don't really have a problem with this particular policy at all, actually. I mean, when I worked for Panera and the bank, managers and employees were not allowed to have relationships. But they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> right. And, you know, if it's an employee to an employee, it's not the right. as, as bad of a situation. If it's manager to employee, then you get a the power issue coming into play, and that, that makes things a little more sticky. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I don't know why you would want to do that, because it creates a really awkward... Like, Work environment. Un- right. It's yeah. uncomfortable, and it causes arguments in relationships. You know what I mean? Because if one of you is is the manager and one's not, and you tell somebody to do something, like later at home, it gets weird, right? Mm. And then also, if something goes wrong with a relationship, then you've got to go to work and uh, be with that person during the day, and this is the person that you, at that point, do not want to be with, and certainly don't want to have to be taking orders from or having talk back to you if you are trying to, if you are the manager and you're giving them orders. Right. I would say even a friendship between a manager and an employee is iffy. Because I had one of those go wrong when I worked at Panera, and it was very uncomfortable. But people are going to do these things. I mean, they're just going to do them. I mean, you know, at at some point or another, it's just going to happen. I I guess it gives a whole new meaning to the uh, word internal affairs. It sure does. I'm surprised that they wouldn't offer to move them to another department because that's what would happen if this happened at, at when I worked at Panera. They would say, okay, well, you guys can't work together. Is one of you interested in moving to another store? That would have been a decent solution, but uh, you know these cops are supposed to be paragons of virtue, right? So they're not just your average employee at some job. These are people who are supposed to be better than the average person, right? So if there's an officer, especially a police chief, that's engaging in an affair, 
I mean, it's one thing to have to, you know, it would have been one thing if he were single and dating one of the officers on the squad. Right. And it'd be another thing, which it is because he's already married. Now, I believe he was in the process of being divorced, but, you know, there's still that issue of it's well, not that legal. causes legal problems in yeah. the middle of a divorce. You don't want to get caught cheating. Yeah. So he really he really blew it. And uh, according to the mayor, he said he was very contrite yesterday. I uh, spoke with Mr. Godby, the police chief, on Sunday. He felt he had let me down. He felt he had let the department down. He felt he had let the people of Detroit down. He's also sorry, really sorry he got caught. Uh, Mr. Bing added, It bothers me a great deal that it has come to this. Reports that Mr. Godby, who's 44, would resign had been circulating for nearly a week after the internal affairs officer, Angelica Robinson, posted a picture of herself on social media, and I believe it was Twitter, according to another article. On social media, look how they wrote this, posted a picture of herself on a social media website, excuse me, I thought they left out the word A, holding a department-issued handgun to her mouth. Why Why? would she do that? Well, it was after she discovered that Mr. Godby was in San Diego with... His wife? No, another woman. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So, this woman who's working for the department, who is not his wife discovered he was with another woman on a business trip, found out about this, freaked out, and got all crazy and, you know, put a gun in her mouth, took a picture of it. I'm going to blow my head off. Then posted it to Twitter where everybody else who's, you know, friends with her, probably several people in the the department. So we're worried about uh, what was going on, I'm certain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would say that if you're going to engage in a secret relationship with your boss, you should probably make sure that uh, you're careful with that. Well, there's, uh, you know, and uh, careful's a funny word. How do you do it? How, when you how, go you crazy, you don't, you don't go careful. Go, right, but maybe he shouldn't have gone to San Diego with another woman while that was going on. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, well, yeah. It seems dangerous. It's it's all a mess. I but mean, once I, you have one extramarital affair, what's another five, right? I don't know what to say. I mean, <laughs> it's a mess. Guys like this... Are likely to have, you know, powerful people like this police chief are likely to have women in other cities. You know, if he's going to police conferences on a regular basis or whatever his reason was for being out there, whether he has a regular girlfriend or just he knows a a good escort service. These are the kinds of people who do that sort of thing. And by the way, that's what it comes down to, a good escort service. The chances of them uh, telling stories out of school, not nearly as high. You mean, uh, had he just been dealing with escorts, he wouldn't have had some girl right. put a gun in her mouth. Right, and saying. this is what it, you know, I mean, if, I guess that's my advice to philanderers out there is don't... Stick with the professionals. Yeah, stick with the professionals and don't, uh, you know, don't bring... I, first off, it's keep it in your pants because that's what the best advice is, uh, you know, that I can give. But I know that there are people that aren't going to listen. And, the you know, the next best thing is keep it with the professionals and always wear a condom. Her lawyer, David Robinson, who's not related to her, uh, said that apparently she was contemplating making the ultimate sacrifice out of humiliation, frustration, and pain over what it was the chief was putting her through. He added the department had taken away her gun and ordered her to undergo a mental evaluation. In 2010, Mr. Godby succeeded Chief Warren Evans, who was also accused of having an affair with a subordinate. At the time, Mr. Bing did not specifically cite the relationship as the reason for his resignation, but said certain decisions had compromised his ability to lead the department. 
We'll come back with more on this story here in a moment. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. And if you're in the Detroit area, you know more about this uh, than we do, you want to clue us in, certainly would love to hear from you as well. 855-450-FREE, you can take control and bring up anything you want. This is Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio, podcast, satellite, webcam, and our live streams. But did you know you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere? Add this number to your phone, 213-493-0308. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Listen Lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 213-493-0308. That's 213-493-0308. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want. 855-450-FREE. SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can also join us over at freetalklive.com. We have news updates. You get signed up, and we will keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. And if you were signed up for our Facebook updates earlier tonight, you had the chance to win a free DVD. Yep, that's true. We gave away uh, gun training with uh, with the non-aggression principle by Michael W. Dean, and it was uh, you know it got snatched up very quickly. Yes, it did. And uh, so we're we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and of course you can get emails as well. These are the three different ways we can keep in touch with you. Twitter and Facebook, you're going to get more than you will the email. Uh, you're going to get updates during the show. So if you're online and you're on Twitter or Facebook during our program, uh, you'll be you'll see questions and observations and sometimes some show prep links. Like I'm going to put this uh, New York Times article in about the corrupt police chief uh, or the uh, the philandering police chief. You know, I actually I like the um, the little things on Facebook because during the week, if I'm at home or doing homework and Facebook's up. I see them and I, I think to myself like, ooh, I really like that topic. I'd like to call in. Mm-hmm. And I don't because I would feel kind of awkward calling in, but maybe it inspires other people to call in. So I think it I think it's a good move on your part. Well, I don't know if it inspires them to call in, but it uh, maybe it does. And hopefully it inspires them to listen and at the very right. least, uh, you know, interact. And uh, anyway, you can go to I news.freetalklive.com, get signed up there. I wanted to tell you about a great new Bitcoin site. It's called blockchain.info. Blockchain.info is an online Bitcoin wallet. They also have apps for Android and jailbroken iPhones. Thanks to fancy encryption techniques, Blockchain never has access to your money. In fact, they can't even know how much money you are sending or receiving. With the Blockchain wallet, you can even send Bitcoins via email, to your Facebook friends, or to anyone's cell phone number in just about every country around the world. And they offer this all for free. Get your free Bitcoin wallet today at Blockchain.info. Excellent. I uh, I love the blockchain.info site. It's so handy. Yeah, so it's really things. handy if you are waiting for your Bitcoins to arrive in your wallet mm-hmm. and you want to sort of see if they've come through. That's what I use it yeah, for. Yeah, you can look at transactions and things like that. Uh, so 855-450-FREE. If you are in the Detroit, Michigan area and you want to shine some extra light on this story, because obviously we are here in New Hampshire and so we're just going on what the, the media is saying. I've looked through several different stories on this to try to find some detail. And I'm going to combine this New York Times story with a Fox News one to give you an insight into this man's life. Uh, he's uh, Mr. Godby, uh, first name Ralph, Ralph Godby Jr. He's 44 years old. He's resigned as of today. And the reason why is because he got caught 
having himself an affair. Actually, apparently more than one. Uh, he's a married man who is having an affair with a woman who's working for the department. The woman who's working for the Department in Internal Affairs had put a gun in her mouth and taken a photo of this, posted that to Twitter, where her coworker saw it, and I believe they ended up sending over officers to her house at that point, you know, to make sure she was okay, I guess, or try to stop her from killing herself or whatever they were thinking. And uh, she, the reason she posted this to Twitter is because she was upset because Mr. Godby was ostensibly in California with another woman. So a third woman, wife, woman that works for the department, woman in California. But she was traveling, so it could very well have just been a business partner for all we know. Well, yeah, who knows what uh, she was told or what made her think what she thought. But either way, that's how this stuff came out. It hit last week, and now uh, this is, by the way, in the shadow of the former police chief, Warren Evans, who was also accused of having an affair with a subordinate. However, it wasn't confirmed at the time. Uh, They didn't specifically cite the relationship as the reason for his resignation at that time. Soon afterward, it became known that Mr. Godby had also had an affair with the same female officer that Mr. Evans had. This lady's trouble. Well, now, let's be clear. This is a different lady, right? So the first lady, the woman that put the gun in her mouth, is not the woman that had the affair with the police chief who was previous to Godby. So the police chief previous to Godby had an affair with a woman, and... Godby had an affair with the same woman before he became police chief. So he got through that one. Like, he got caught having an affair one time when he wasn't the police chief. They let that one slide. Jeez. Then he became the police chief and had another affair because well, when he wasn't, leopards don't change their spots, right? Right. When he wasn't the police chief, then he was having an affair, presumably with a fellow employee. Like he may, have, he may have been a captain or something like that at that point. He probably okay. was still in a in a position of uh, of control, I would guess. Yeah, he didn't come. He didn't come from uh, you know street beat right um, up, up to, to yeah. cap captain. Uh, so or up to uh, police chief. Excuse me. Now Bing, the uh, the mayor of the city, says he had confided in me that he'd changed his ways. I had no reason to not believe that. <laughs> or reason to believe it. The news of Godby's resignation comes about a month into the corruption trial of Kwame Kilpatrick, the gregarious former mayor of Detroit who resigned in 2008 after lying under oath about a relationship with his chief of staff. Everybody's effing everybody in this uh, this department. According to the story here, the uh, Detroit currently has no policy against fraternization among city workers. Then what's Bing, the problem? Though he added that he now intended to institute one. <laughs> Godby wrote in the letter released by the department, I retire proud of the fact that I was able to assist during a time when our city has been most in need. You mean assist by cutting back the police services from various different areas <laughs> of Detroit? Because this is the most important thing facing the Detroit Police Department. Well, that's my thought is I don't understand why this is really big news. You know, it's just something that goes on in every workplace and it's personal business. And sure, it's fun to talk about and it's funny when it happens in your workplace and yep. it isn't you. Right. But <laughs> Somebody gets caught. I mean, the better the better the, the, the story of where they get caught, the better the story, right? Right. But I don't see it as newsworthy. Like if, if this happened at my work and I saw this in the headlines, I'd just be dumbfounded. It's newsworthy because he's the police chief. It wouldn't. <coughs> excuse me. It wouldn't be a headline. If the, uh, you know, the boss over at Panera was caught for having an affair, there's just no interest. There's no public interest in that information. But for someone who's a public employee, someone who is a para, supposedly a paragon of virtue, uh, in the same way that if the police chief gets caught dealing drugs, that's also newsworthy. But dealing drugs is against the law. So that, that's True. different. 
than having an affair. That's just some people would consider it's, that morally wrong. Well, that's just it. I think a lot of people would consider that morally wrong. But a lot and, of people cheat, so it's kind of hard to call it more morally well, wrong when you see the numbers of how many people cheat. No doubt about it. I, I get what you're saying. Just because a lot of people do something doesn't mean it's not wrong, right? So it's not against the rules, right? It's his job to enforce. Technically, the rules. it's not against. It's not even against the rules of the department. It's, it's but it's still a to... black eye against the department. It's still something that makes him look. It makes him look like he's corruptible. Well, it makes him look like he is not honest. He is corruptible. Anybody who will fool around is corruptible because that that can be held against them, especially right. if they're if they're married. If they're not married, then for one 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 asks. Why would you get married if you're the, you're corruptible in this way? But I think that this happens to a lot of people. I think it's highly common for people to be corruptible in this way. Mm-hmm. And then once they're caught, they can have it used against them. I wonder how many people in Washington, D.C. are bought in this manner. How many of them have sexual relations that they can be caught on, be them homosexual or extramarital or whatever way, and somebody's got the dossier. I, like, I think it's I think it might be the first thing they do is make sure they get the dossier on you and your yeah, whoever true. it is. Find some woman to go uh, talk you up and, uh, you know, there she's actually working for your opponents. Probably. Uh, 855-450-FREE. There's more, though, to this story. We'll share it with you here in moments. Because uh, uh, the Fox News, of course, went the salacious route and actually gave you some text messaging that they uh, they sent back and forth. <laughs> 1-855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to bring up anything you want toll-free at 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We have listening options, and there are a bevy of them. You can go to listen.freetalklive.com. You can get tuned in via our live streams. We have broadband, midband, and narrowband versions of the show, so different uh, bit rates of stream for your different size internet connections that you might be on at various different times. Uh, the radio options, of course, over 110 great radio stations air this show various different uh, times throughout the week on AM and FM. We're up on XM satellite radio all seven nights per week. Plus, there's also our KU Band Free to Air satellite channel. You can get us that way, as well as the webcam and the brand new listen lines. If you've got the old numbers, there actually is a chance those old numbers are, are, are fixed. There's one of them that was fixed earlier today. Uh, the other one wasn't fixed, so we may actually end up having... More than one listen line when all said and done, which probably won't be a bad thing in case one of them fails again. Uh, Redundancy. But, yeah, but there are brand new listen line numbers, so make sure you drop into listen.freetalklive.com to get that information, plug it into your phone. That way, anywhere you are, as long as you have a cell phone signal and you're willing to pay whatever long distance fees if you have to pay them, uh, that you'll be able to listen to Free Talk Live that way. So go to listen.freetalklive.com. Stories about Detroit's police chief who has resigned effective immediately. Over getting caught red-handed, over having cheated with one of his employees. Now, when I first heard about this story, 
it was a few days ago, and the headline, I'd copied the link of the story, and I'd pasted it in my show prep for tonight. And then when I went back there, it was one of those stories that they just completely changed. They, like, updated it. It wasn't the same story that I'd originally looked at. The original uh, headline, and I've yet to, to re-find this information in all the ones that I've looked at, but the original version of this said that he had given this woman a promotion as oh, well. Oh, my. Yeah, so the woman that he was cheating with, cheating on his wife with, who he then cheated on with another woman in California, allegedly, was allegedly also promoted by him in a sex for promotion sort of a deal. In a deal, or it just happened? Because I I tend to think that these that in these circumstances, it's it's more just people are feeling grateful and they do things as opposed to hey, you do this and I'll do that. I, yeah. I mean, you put a bunch of people in a room together, and some of them are just bound to have sex with each other. Well, I'll leave agreed. it to Fox News for uh, to unearth the salacious <laughs> details of this. Uh, they will publish what the other companies won't. And uh, <laughs> here we go from myfoxdetroit.com. This is Charlie Leduff reporting. I got a call from Lieutenant Monique Patterson, the cop caught in a love triangle between former Chief Warren Evans and Ralph Godby two years ago. She had said that she had uh, some text messages showing that she had sex with Godby in exchange for a promotion. One text. Now it's suggesting that she was the same woman uh, between the the original chief and he. So maybe she was the same uh, lady having sex with both police police chiefs. Either way, here's what they said. One text message from Godby to Patterson said, I want you. I think you. I breathe you. I taste you. I smell you. Need I go on? Another text message from Godby to Please Patterson. don't use that voice anymore. That just doesn't <laughs> convince me of anything. Go ahead. Another text message read, I need a face-to-face with you so that I can say what I say because I'm in love with you, in all caps. Yet another text message from Godby to Patterson said, I can meet you by 8-ish. Can you have everything set up where you can just let me know the room number? A text message from Patterson to Godby said the following, I hate that all we have discussed, transfer, etc., nothing has occurred. Nothing seems hopeful to me at this point. Nothing. Then a text message from Gobby to Patterson read, You will learn over time that my word is my bond, suggesting that he told her that he'd give her a promotion. Mm. Uh, this is clearly more than sex between consenting adults, says Leduff from Fox News. It's an abuse of power. The police department's been turned into a brothel. City Hall, and this is more of an editorial than a news piece here. City Hall knew that, uh, City Hall said the lawyer who took the messages, to, excuse me, I don't know how this is written. City Hall, City Hall knew, said the lawyer who took no, the no, messages. No, no, City Hall knew, said the lawyer who took, oh, City Hall knew, said the lawyer who took messages to Deputy Mayor Saul Green. Saul asked the other day that he be allowed to keep the text messages and that he would get back to us, and either the next day or a couple days later, he did. I don't know what he did with them, but there was no doubt in my mind he was going to run these up the totem pole, and I had the strong impression when we got back together that he'd vetted this with the mayor, and response was they weren't interested in doing anything. Well, that last text message, the my word is my bond, to me that doesn't prove anything about promotions he could have said anything he could have said i love you and i'm gonna leave my wife for you she said that um, we only had an excerpt she's upset about um that nothing is happening the transfers right referring to the transfers or whatever the transfer might be so i mean that did give some suggestion uh so i had a lot of questions for the lieutenant so we sat down on friday here are her own words i asked patterson did you allegedly sleep with him or did or did sleep with him I asked her. I slept with Ralph, she answered. How do we know? I questioned. October 14th, 2009. Yeah, I kept that condom. 
Ruh-ro. That's a little weird, huh? I've she kept never it? heard. She kept the well, that's evidence. <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing in my life. That sounds nasty. It's somebody who's plotting to do something, right? Like you, you don't hold on to a condom, a used <laughs> condom, unless uh, you are planning to do something with it later. Something about well, blackmail, or uh, you know, who I, knows? I'm not gonna. I, I, I'm, I'm with you, but or you're just a freak, right? There's, there's that, that possibility. There's, there's that other possibility. In she the has world a collection of condoms full of case. freaks. Right. Uh, for what reason? Asked the reporter. So he, you know, wouldn't think I'm just a stalker and I'm just a lying expletive. Like, oh no, I don't think so. She responded. Ralph Godby was assistant chief, traded sex for promotions, yes or no, I asked. Yes, she says. I was the commanding officer of sex crimes, and after we became involved, he moved me to his staff, and I worked right alongside with him in his office. I questioned, is that that was the deal you made? She said, yes. Our relationship began in August, and by October, the things that he'd promised had not come to pass, so he noticed my behavior toward him and changed where I had backed up. That's even referenced in a text message, so that's when afterwards there were other texts saying, I spoke to this person, I spoke to that person, I'm going to get you down here, and then once I got down there, well, we're going to celebrate, she added. As he referenced, I'd like to see your career advance, so I went along with the program. I'd like to see your career advance. (laughs) And then the Fox guy asks, are you a tramp? People can call me whatever, she says. It's fine, you know. If my behavior two years ago earned me that title, then okay. That was in 2009. It's a new day. I have a new life, and the department needs a new chief. She's ready to be the chief? (laughs) (laughs) For God's sake, don't make this lady the chief. And we all know Bing elevated God be the chief. Anyhow, here we are again. Detroit humiliated. The mayor now with his own possible scandal. And why did Patterson step forward? I don't know what the mayor's scandal is. Who knows? But because she said Officer Angelica Robertson. Oh, okay. Okay, so I confused the names. So many names in a lot of these stories. So this was the woman who was originally seeing the original police chief and the new police chief. That was That's, Peterson. That is different. Yeah, that that was uh, Patterson. That is Patterson. different from Angela Robinson, Robinson who is, is the, the new woman. The who new woman. Just who was ready involved. to blow her head off of, over the new right, chief. Right, uh, She says, I'm coming out with this because I don't want, firstly, for Angelica to fall on a sword like she's making this up. This didn't have to happen had someone taken these text messages serious. Maybe they thought he would have learned from this incident and gave him the benefit of a doubt moving forward. So much for that. So they had found out about his original affair, and they had not moved on doing anything about it, even though they had text evidence and her claims that there was this corruption going on, that he had been, you know, he had promoted her for sex. Sex for, for promotion. Yeah, so Which pro quo, they, they call it. Right. They let that one slide, but now... It was too much. They they couldn't let this one slide. So he got caught. And, you know, you have to ask the bigger question, right? Because, Julia, you'd said, well, this isn't news because people have uh, sex in work relationships sure. all the time. What's the big deal? And I kind of pointed out that, well, he's a powerful man and, uh, it's, you know, he's the paragon of virtue. And so people need to be able to look up to this guy. At least that's the way people look at the idea of a police chief. But, I, but when I when you say that, I understand that from a law abiding perspective, like people do not want the police officers to be corrupt in that way. I'm not sure that I feel the same way about a cheater. I mean, that just, to me, says that he's human. I mean, this happens often, and 
it's not illegal, so I don't necessarily see it as hypocritical. It's just kind of funny to me. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ultimately, though, the question is, how many police chiefs are corrupt and in what different ways? Because we've certainly seen stories everything from sex to drug dealing to killing. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You take control. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love. But make sure you give five bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Hey, you can bring up anything you want, even in these remaining moments, if you dial in now, 855-450-FREE. Should people care about a police chief resigning? Julia, or excuse me, not resigning, but having sex with uh, a superior, a, uh, an inferior? Well, I think that it's bad in any business. I'm just not sure that it's that newsworthy. It's just kind of funny. I'm curious what you think. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. In this circumstance, because the sex for promotion is going on, then the um, uh, you know basically the taxpayer is paying to have what would otherwise be considered an incompetent, I would guess, be promoted sure. f- based solely on her uh, willingness to screw the police chief. Um, and I think that that's a real problem. And, you know, if if you want to run a business where you want to promote people and you own the business, uh, you're not working for somebody, and you want to promote people based on their willingness to uh, have sexual encounters with you, I think that that's between you and your employees. But when that starts... You know, affecting investors and uh, taxpayers, especially people that are sort of unwillingly, uh, you know, brought into the situation, and that's what a taxpayer is—just a basically a, a, a tax surf. Um, then, but th- supposedly these people are our servants. Sure. Uh, you know, they have to they have to pay uh, lip service to well, being servants. That's a valid point, but I feel like this article is really written. Um, not from that perspective at all, sure. and just from the scandal perspective. They're well, the like, Fox wow, was, yeah. all these people are having sex with each other. Ha ha, ha that's so funny. Let's talk about <laughs> it. it. Is. Because it is funny. When this happens in your workplace and it isn't you or your friend or whatever, it is hilarious. And everybody talking about it and just, you know, it's shocking. So it's it's funny stuff. I mean, Indeed. I, no, no good doubt news. About it. Great news. If you, I mean, not like news news, but entertainment news. It happens. When it happens at workplace, at, at the workplace where you are, it's, uh, it's exciting news. Feel free to add your thoughts to the discussion, 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. In other police-related news, uh, Julia, you had a story you wanted to share. That's right. This is from Delaware Online. Um, Steve Tuppany was in the garage of his Middletown home having a smoke at 6.15 a.m. His wife and daughter asleep inside when the Wilmington SWAT officers made their move. Dressed in black, several officers rushed Tuppany, ordered him to lie down on the ground, and handcuffed him. Other SWAT officers smashed the storm glass door in front of the Tuppany's two-story colonial-style house, then used a battering ram to break down the red front door. So this guy was in the garage, and they handcuffed him and then broke into his house. (laughs) He could have opened the door for them. Wow. It's bizarre. They just it's, love to break stuff. Right. It's just, let's put on costumes and break stuff. Yep. That, Maybe kill a dog, too, if there's one around. 
Right. Well, they didn't kill a dog. They just traumatized an eight-year-old. Jennifer Jennifer Tuppany, a teacher at Marbuck Elementary School, said she was asleep upstairs when officers threw open her darkened bedroom and ordered her at gunpoint to get up. The couple's eight-year-old was then... That's got to be scary. ...awakened out of a dead sleep by men dressed in black with guns shining flashlights in her face. Mm. I'm speechless when I hear stuff like this. Eight-year-olds, I can't imagine. Like, I remember things like my dad beating the dog and getting yelled at and, like, thinking about how much terror that caused me as an eight-year-old. I've never had a gun pointed at me at any point in my life. I don't know that an eight-year-old would necessarily internalize a gun. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's got to be terrifying no matter what. But it's not just a gun. It's a strange man mm-hmm. dressed in black busting into your bedroom when you're sleeping. I think that that's, that's terrifying. That's the ultimate in... in- Terrifying. I agree. And I know that, you know, my dad took me to the gun range, I think, around when I was 10. Uh, I, I'm sure there are young people who are very familiar with... Well, if you uh, play video games, you know what a gun is. Sure, sure. Uh, police carried out the early morning raid in search of a man whom they called a person of interest in a homicide case. Hmm. The man in a September 19th court appearance had said he lived at the Tupney's address. Police had a search warrant a authorized... person of interest isn't even a suspect. It's... Absolutely insane. A, a person of interest is, you know, I, I'm not a cop. I, I Maybe, you know, a law enforcement officer can correct me on this, but there's like different levels, right? So if he was a suspect, then he'd be called a suspect. If he was a person of interest, that just means typically they just want to talk to somebody about something. Yeah, it says here that he is neither a defendant nor a suspect. Yeah. The, wow. The person They're of interest. in the door yeah. for nothing. We've, we've got some questions for you. Let's bust into your home. Yeah, so apparently he used to live there four years before. The person of interest, that is. Yes, the person of interest. So uh, who authorized this warrant? I, wow. How do you, I mean, really? You can you can get a warrant Without like doing any investigation. Without, all you have to do is just think that somebody lives somewhere and then put, put that forth to a judge and it'll get signed. You don't have to go and actually spend any time staking a place out, trying to actually ascertain whether or not that person is still there. Because- Hey, who cares if you go ahead and destroy somebody's home and terrorize their family? It's not like you'll be held liable. Well, and the, these kind of stories are really important, I think, because a lot of people like to ignore police brutality. And when situations like this happen, it's easy to ignore if you're not doing anything wrong because you feel like this right, could never happen, happen to, to you. But this house is a beautiful, they're obviously well off. It's mm-hmm. in a nice neighborhood. It's a nice two-story New looking house. These people, you can guarantee, never, ever, ever expected this to happen to them. And they're innocent. They didn't do anything wrong. They weren't looking for anyone that lived there. So this could happen to you. I can't imagine. I mean, at this point, they didn't have the wrong address. They had a four-year-old address and just assumed that it was worth, you know, grabbing some guy in his garage, throwing handcuffs on him and uh, busting his door in. And and breaking a door in the process. Yeah, and- they broke the glass door. Then they batter. They used a battering ram to break into the door while the guy was in the garage, and they had already confronted him. Ridiculous. I'm just so upset. And then the and- eight year old girl has uh, armed people in their room with guns and right, flashlights. Right. I I can't imagine how you would feel as a parent. Uh, well, if this was going on, they say, um, you know, when people oftentimes people will not feel safe in their houses after they have a burglary, yeah. you know, they just don't want to go back in. I just can't go back in there. There's mm. been a burglary. And, uh, you know, I don't know what I think about that. I think that, you know, I mean, it's a place with a roof, but, yeah. um, you know, I, it that doesn't affect me in that same way. But I can't imagine. Have you been burgled? 
Yes. Okay. Um, but I can't imagine what it is like in this circumstance because with a burglar, at the very least, you have someone to call. But who do you call when the police do it? At that point, it's the king's men. Yeah, you're screwed. And you have no safety from them. It's right. sick. And as you can imagine, they're not in trouble. They followed procedure. Probably don't even have to fix the door. Oh, we uh, thought we were in the right place. So. It says here, um, nope, they didn't have to. Yeah. Uh, he fixed his own door uh, that first day and vacuumed up the mud and glass tracked in by imagine? the police. The couple's still surveying the damage when Wilmington police inspector and a civilian counselor arrived at the home to explain what had happened and offer counseling to their daughter. Wait, you are responsible for uh, traumatizing my daughter and now you want to be the one to counsel her? I don't think so. Stay <laughs> away from my family. Yeah, absolutely. Sick stuff. And in other news, uh, Mark, you've got a related story about uh, an older lady. Did she have a gun pointed at her, I believe? I, I told you I didn't have that story. Oh, that's okay. I've got one for you here. I thought you did. I apologize. Uh, according to WSBTV.com, Cobb County man says officers fatally shot his dog while responding to an alarm call at his house. Smyrna resident Robbie King said he's torn apart by what happened in his home on Sunday afternoon. said, I heard pop, pop, and I screamed out, oh, God, please don't shoot my dog, because he's probably heard that cops like to shoot dogs. That seems to be pretty popular these days. And walking to the door, and walked to the door, and he's just laying there gasping for breath, told Channel 2's Aaron Coleman, Luke's uh, King's six-year-old chocolate lab. Chocolate lab, they're going to get you, coppers. When have you ever seen a mean... Labrador Retriever. I'm not going to make any decisions. Nope, I had a mean golden retriever. It depends on how the dog is treated. I want to know what the circumstances are. He, uh, let's see, was shot by police when cop officers reported to his home after he accidentally triggered his alarm. King said he was in a rush on the way to a hospital to see his first grandchild being born. When he was on the phone with his alarm company, he said he couldn't remember his password. I told her I'll just wait here at the front door, and when Cobb County shows up, I'll give him my ID. They'll know I'm the homeowner, and it was a false alarm. But officers came to the back door, which was unlocked, and they opened it. That's when Luke started barking. According to a police report, the dog chased one of the officers into the yard. He didn't try to bite the guy. The guy admitted that. Luke was the most gentle animal you could ever meet, as are most black chocolate labs that I've ever seen, uh, added the grieving pet owner who plans to file a formal complaint against cop police. Chris is on the line listening to XM's America's Talk. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey there. Uh, I was just listening on xm and i'm not sure if you're on the same topic now because uh, there's a little bit of a delay but it's free talk live you can always bring up anything talking. but unfortunately you're calling in the last 30 okay. seconds so you're gonna have to go fast uh, okay well it was just about the probable cause thing you were talking about at the at the um the city council meeting yeah. i guess my definition would be more that uh you don't have any sort of expectation of privacy when you're holding a bottle so that's not necessarily a search that would not be disallowed because what's in that bottle that you're drinking... You need a warrant to search what's in my bottle. You know, I'd love to have you call back about this, uh, Chris, because I I think you're a police officer is the reason you're calling. But do us a favor, call tomorrow at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. That's when we start the show. And then you'll hear yourself two hours later on XM uh, when you listen then. So we'd love to have Have more time. We'd love to have more time to talk with you about this. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. Uh, Yeah, you can join us every single day of the week, seven days a week, 7 to 10 Eastern. Uh, That's when we're live. We may not necessarily be live at that time on your local station. See you tomorrow. FreeTalkLive.com.